So lots of times the deja vu feeling and the deja vu is just very intense. I, I feel like some people say said to me in my life, oh, I have deja vu too. And I just thought, okay, everybody has deja vu. Well, you know, it happened to me a couple times a week that I would have this crazy intense deja vu that it was like as if suddenly the world was happening the same exact thing again. And it was really nerve wracking because it was confused. Like I didn't understand it. I'm like, why do I suddenly feel like I am doing something that happened before? Epilepsy is usually portrayed in the movies as grandma seizure, with the actor dropping to the floor, losing consciousness and violently convulsing. But, as GPs would be aware, there are more than 40 types of seizures, some of which are actually very subtle. Subtle seizures can involve people zoning out from the conversation, experiencing unusual sensations, odd emotions, an intense feeling of deja vu, or just not remembering what they were doing and then coming back to the room like nothing had happened. I used to have ones where um, I had a lot of anxiety ones, like seizures that were just these awful, awful, intense moments of anxiety. And uh, lots of times, like I said, the deja vu would come first and then the intense anxiety and or feeling of doom. And the way I described it was the worst mistake of my life. So it was like I felt that it was going to be my fault, whatever I did next. And whatever I did next was the worst mistake of my life. Welcome to the Medical Republic. I'm Francine Crimmins. And I'm Felicity Nelson. So you just heard a patient describing how it feels to experience a subtle seizure. And it's not unusual for adults to develop these kinds of seizures and just not know what's going on, which makes it really hard to diagnose. Some of these seizures seem really innocuous, so it just looks like the patient stopped what they're doing and they're daydreaming, which is fine if you're on your phone or you're going for a walk or something, but it can actually be quite dangerous if you're driving a car uh, and you have you know, a couple of seconds where you're not fully functioning or holding a cigarette or making a cup of tea. And one of the things that happens with these patients who develop subtle seizures is they do get into quite severe accidents sometimes, and that's when there starts to be a bit of an investigation about what's going on and the idea that maybe they've got epilepsy starts to be raised. And there was a study that came out recently that showed just that, isn't that right? Yeah, so there was this retrospective study of around 450 patients in the Human Epilepsy Project, which was published in Epilepsia in October. And this study found that 83% of all car accidents in this cohort, so in this 450-person group, were caused by patients with focal non-motor seizures. So focal just means that it's one part of the brain that's seizing. Non-motor means that they don't sort of have this violent convulsion, so you might not notice that they're actually seizing. And so the patients were enrolled between 2012 and 2016 across 34 sites in the US, Canada, Europe, and also Australia as well. Uh, and the researchers did a back-of-the-envelope calculation in the study to estimate how many car accidents might be caused by people who have undiagnosed uh, seizures that are quite subtle. And they put the number at uh, about 1,800 in the US alone. So it's actually quite a significant cause of car accidents. And you can imagine if, if we could catch it early, maybe we could uh, stop some of these incidents from happening. Mm. 
But I guess uh, in this case, you know, if people have seemingly non-specific symptoms, um, and as you mentioned before, you know, if they can't remember what has happened to them, uh, what would actually be the trigger for diagnosis? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. Um, It might be that patients go to their GP and they report some of those symptoms we were hearing about earlier, just a a weird sensation or just not aware of what's going on for a, a couple of seconds or a minute at a time feelings of deja vu, uh, maybe their partners notice that they zone out every so often. And a GP would normally pick those symptoms up as being something neurological and they'd they'd refer the patient to a neurologist. The problem uh, is that patients often don't think that these symptoms are significant, so they don't raise them. So that's the first step is getting patients to sort of have that awareness that maybe there's something neurological happening. But there's even a, a problem on top of that. So even once you get to the neurologist or the hospital, that it's quite hard to catch these seizures in action. So one of the specialists I spoke to uh, said it was like trying to catch a possum at night, um, trying to photograph one, because they happen sometimes weeks apart. So what they do is they'll hook a patient up to an EEG um, and just monitor their brain activity. But this is a really tedious activity because they can be sort of connected to these machines for days at a time and the nurses have to try and look after them or friends or family while they're in hospital and sometimes then they might not even catch a seizure um so yeah it's actually really a very long journey to try and diagnose these subtle seizures although once they have been diagnosed they are quite um there's treatments available anti-convulsant treatments um that people then will take for life to stop these seizures happening But there's now some more mobile options, isn't there, for diagnosing epilepsy? We've moved forward in this field? That's true, yeah. So that's what's quite interesting is that there's, um, in Australia, there's a company that's been developing some at-home diagnosis uh, technologies. It's a company called Sear Medical, and I think they're the only one in Australia that's doing this, which is quite interesting. So they've basically got this EEG and connected it up uh, to like a wheelie bag, and so the patient will... Uh, get a technician to come to their home and put the gear on um, and then give them the wheelie bag and they can sort of go about their normal life uh, for a week and just have the brain activity monitored. And they also set up a video camera in the patient's house. So I was speaking to Professor Mark Cook, who's the Director of Clinical Neurosciences at St Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne. He's also the founder of SEER Medical. And he was sort of over Zoom taking me through some of these um, case studies where a patient has this uh, EEG so they're connected up to it um, and so you can see their brain activity like a line going up and down Uh, and then you've got also got the video camera so you can spot when they're seizing and even watching it you can see the brain activity going all funny but often it's very hard to catch the behavior at the same time and the, the patient might be in a room with a family member who might not notice that they're seizing because um, it's so subtle, which was really interesting to watch. And um, here's him describing one of those uh, case studies. Now, this final one I'll show you is a patient actually of mine who is a young woman and her mother is in the, the screen. And uh, I wanted to capture the events to find out what kind of seizures they were and how often they were happening. Her mother said to me at the end of the recording period, she came along and said, well, that was a disappointment. We didn't catch any events. Uh. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, we caught 164 events. And the mother said, well, they must have happened when I weren't with her. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, you were usually with her, but you just didn't notice them. Wow. Now, again, here in this screen, you can see the the seizure and you see the rhythmic activity that's developing about two-thirds of the way along. 
this stuff. Uh-huh. You can see it here and you can see it there. So these are all the channels coming from the left side of the brain. Okay. Uh-huh. There's the patient. She's got her electrodes on. You can see that's the waste bag that's got the electronics in. Uh-huh. And I'll play it now. So you can see she's operating a phone. Or she's looking at a phone anyway. You just see her mouth move a little bit. But she's still doing things with her phone throughout. Now, if you were actually going to look at what she was doing on her phone, it would probably be quite purposeless. Mm. But you can understand why her mother sitting next to her doesn't appreciate that's a seizure. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't look like anything. Yeah. No, exactly. There, it's finished. Now, again, if you were driving with that, that would be catastrophic. So in terms of GPs who have a patient that they think these mobile EEGs might be the best fit, how does that work? Is it something that you refer to this company that you mentioned? Is it CIA Medical? And at the same time, who interprets the EEG? Yeah, so CIA Medical has, uh, they're connected up with a lot of hospitals around the country. So in any capital city, um, the hospitals might set the patient up with this service if it's appropriate. And they will also send technicians out to rural and regional areas as well. Some neurologists I spoke to did point out that you can get EEGs at hospitals, and that's been obviously the traditional way that it's been done. So that's always available at a lot of hospitals as well. So where does that leave us, and what is the practical advice for reducing accident-related risk among the general population who, at face value, as we've discussed, would think that they're not at risk or haven't been found at risk yet of having a seizure? Yeah, so I do think it's one of those things where there's, it's quite interesting, but there's not a heap that we can do to improve on what we're already doing. It's more about raising awareness and making sure that everybody knows that these things can happen and how you go through the path of diagnosis. Um, And I did speak to the CEO of a patient education group called Epilepsy Action, Carol Island. Um, And she said that there were some car accidents in Australia tied to undiagnosed epilepsy from time to time, but it was quite rare and a lot of patients with epilepsy can drive safely. But she also said that around 1% of the population have epilepsy, so that's about um, 250,000 people in Australia. Yeah, so there are probably some people with undiagnosed epilepsy out there, that's what the specialists were telling me, and the general population wouldn't necessarily be aware of it. You've been listening to The Medical Republic. I'm Francine Crimmins and you can contact me anytime with tips or story ideas or just to say hi. My email is francine at medicalrepublic.com.au You can subscribe to The Medical Republic on iTunes or Spotify or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening.